0: Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit meusa.com.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway. So, happy St. Patty's Day. It is uh, the day of green bagels here in New York City, and I hope everyone gets their green what-have-you, cookies, maybe... uh, I don't know, green cabbage and corned beef and potatoes today to celebrate it. But um, we're actually not going to be talking about that. Uh, We're not going to be talking about Irish food because we have a wonderful book today that is all about the American South and its fascinating food ways. And I'm joined by an author who has written a great deal about it, and she is also a James Beard Award-winning author. Um, uh, She has also written the book Shucked, um, about oysters, and she also co-authored The New England Kitchen, and um, she's written for uh, lots of food publications, um, Food and Wine, she's written for the Boston Globe, Lucky Peach, and many. And also she's the editor and food writer for Nashville Lifestyles, and she lives in Nashville right now. So welcome to the show, Erin Byers-Murray.
3: Thank you so much for
2: having me. Thank you so much for joining. So I was joking a little bit that your name sounds very Irish, even though we're... <laughs> You didn't write about that today in this book.
3: And I, I did marry an Irishman.
2: Oh. So, there, so
3: yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're celebrating. We're celebrating.
2: I, I, an Irish-American. We're celebrating mm-hmm.
3: uh, in our house, in our way.
2: Cool. Well, I wonder if that involves the topic of the, your your latest book, which is called Grits, A Culinary – I'm sorry, A Cultural and Culinary Journey Through the South. Um. <laughs> well, I have yet to find a dish where
3: <laughs> I could put grits into an, an Irish uh, theme, but but I bet it's out there. Cool.
2: Well, I love this book so much because um, we've seen a number of really fascinating sort of cultural history books that are focused on one ingredient. So like Mark Kurlansky's books and milk is her, his latest, or um, there's a great book about pawpaws, the fruit, and um, we had a uh, a book about butter and its cultural history, but I've never seen so much um, one book that is a work of narrative nonfiction exploring the culture and history behind a dish or like a preparation. Mm. So this book is about grits and taking that as the lens through which to explore the American South. Um, Why did you, why grits? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I, um, you know, I,
3: i didn't eat, grow up eating grits i'll be frank i mm-hmm. uh, my husband kind of brought me back to grits as an adult, but I was living in the in the northeast. I had been um, born in the South mm-hmm. and had sort of lived away from it for a long time and had lived in the northeast for a long time and um, moved back to the south with my family in two thousand and twelve and the move was. Uh, it was an interesting shift for me just because I, you know, I was coming at it from somebody who was born in the South and felt like connected to it, mm-hmm. uh, but not of it, you know? <clears throat> so when I came back, I assumed that getting back to the South, it would be like, Oh, this is so easy. And I, this is so familiar. And it's like putting on an old pair of jeans. And yeah. It, you know. Everything, everything's going to be so comfortable. Well, it wasn't for me. It was mm. a little challenging. It was just, you know, culturally a very different place. And, Um, I had a hard time kind of understanding it. So being a food writer, I decided I needed to tackle this through food. I needed Mm -hmm. to sort of better understand this region of mine through a specific food way or dish. um, And came to Grits sort of, you know, after thinking through kind of what the dish would be for a long time and how I would explore this topic, um, you know, it it came to, to Grits kind of sideways in that, you know, like I said, I didn't grow up eating Grits. My husband did, and he was a big fan Mm-hmm. and kind of had gotten me back into them as an adult. But the topic of grits itself, you know, it was it was during an interview with um, Chef Sean Brock, who I was talking to him about a story on vegetables, and just sort of casually threw out what he thought about grits, and he had this reaction, of, you know, that was like, oh, don't, you know, don't get me started. I could talk about grits <laughs> a lot. Uh-huh. And so in that conversation, he said something along the lines of, you know, to me, the grits are the ultimate expression of terroir. And I kind of went, what? (laughs) I thought of grits as something that just came out of a box and, you know, an industrial cereal product and didn't think of grits as anything, you know, that expressed terroir, which is, you know, that an ingredient takes on the the characteristics of the place where it's grown or the soil it's grown in. So I I kind of went and did some digging um, and realized that we actually have so many uh, small uh, millers and... Farmers that are working with heirloom varieties of corn now, and um, and people are doing things with grits that just haven't been done in a long time. Mm. So, all of that sort of got me into this, you know, the rabbit hole. I just, <laughs> I just started digging, <laughs> and um, as you do with food, just started uncovering these really fascinating stories that not just about the dish itself and and why it's so important and po- popular in the South, but also. Culturally, why you know why how it could tell stories about this place, right? Um, and help help me sift through some of these things I was trying to figure out.
2: So, in retrospect, after doing so much research, do you think that he was talking really literally about like the terroir of like the soil science and like what made the the, the grits taste a certain way, or do you think it was more figurative, like it reflects the place you're from? Um, I think I think it's
3: a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think at the moment he was talking pretty. Pretty literally, because he uses a very specific style of grits from a miller mm. in Edisto Island, yeah. South Carolina, who, who is working with this corn variety. But it, in reality, it is it is more figurative because it does give you a sense of um, of, of of a place in the country hmm. that not a lot of other dishes do. You yeah. know, it's, it's it's very it can be very regionally specific.
2: I, I have to admit, I am a total Yankee, and I didn't really know about grits until a scene in My Cousin Vinny, where Joe <laughs> is in a diner and goes, what is a grit? Um, so, but I found this really, really fascinating. Um, this book, uh, you know, in your, in your introduction, you write... You know, as I researched grits, I I saw that the dish provided me with a lens through which I could better understand the place I had come to reclaim. There had been a number of big, thorny topics about the South that, upon moving back, I found myself trying to grapple with. The region's tumultuous history, old and new conversations about race, gender, and how and where women find their place here, politics, both in government and in relation to food, and the changing culinary culture through which people across the South, including myself, identify themselves. And you go on to note that the South is very much evolving as we speak right now. And it has transformed a lot since you were a small kid living there. Mm -hmm. Um, Just how, um, just to give us a little sense, like how exactly is it evolving today? Well, I think
3: that what we're starting to understand, um, uh, not just starting to, but have Mm -hmm. an understanding is that it, it, it the South is not one pan region. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, all encompassing topics about the South don't don't fit every community that you're in. So, like any region, it's a it, it's made up of micro regions. So, you know, the part of Tennessee that I live in is very different than you know it, both culturally and. In, in culinary terms, can be different than where you know something in East Tennessee or something in the Carolinas or you know. What, so I think there there's that the evolution of understanding that you know there are so many stories and and rituals and traditions and um, and history within these microregions to explore. And so as those stories are kind of coming to light, we're starting to see you know that Appalachia is very different than the Low Country and and to call things you know, just generically Southern. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it works and it doesn't. You know? Yeah. And yet, now, and now y- the evolution of storytelling is coming through.
2: Cool. Yeah. And yet like grits is really embraced as, um, a point of pride throughout these different communities and in many different ways, it sounds a more surprising, you know, ways than, than I ever knew for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's, there's also something interesting about how grits. um, You know, you mentioned that it is enjoyed now um, further and further north. It is also uh, a cousin to polenta, which is definitely enjoyed in Italy and Mm -hmm. elsewhere. But I wonder, do you know why grits haven't been spread more (laughs) throughout the world?
3: (laughs) Well, and if you think about the name grits, you know, Mm -hmm. the dish itself cooked ground corn uh, products cooked with water over heat, you know, and served as a porridge or as part of a larger meal. Like that's, that's, you can find that in cultures across the world. You know, that, that's not, it's the term grits that, that um, has kind of stuck in the South, I guess. So, and you know, to your point, polenta and grits are essentially the same thing, just it's a different milling technique Uh is all it is. Um, But I think in the South, the, you know, the, this this region embraced this dish um, so vehemently and closely uh-huh. because, because it has so many roots in and in, in southern culture and southern food history and southern food ways. Um, and, and you know, one of the things I attribute that to is actually our history with slavery, and so our enslaved communities that were existed in the South, many of them subsisted on. Dishes like grits that were, you know, it was either corn was provided with either in rations or could be grown, and it was given to field workers and to the enslaved community as a way to fuel them. It was inexpensive mm-hmm. um, food, and so that and that that dish was also prepared in the big house, um, usually by an enslaved cook. So, so mm-hmm. both black and white communities were subsisting on grits and. And that led it to become kind of a comforting, you know, dish for many communities and, and many classes. And that, you know, that dish then, it, it, it transfers up to the Northeast and other parts of the country, um, to the Midwest, um, with the Great Migration. And so we've got this, um, you know, the history of the dish itself is rooted deeply in, in Southern history and culture. And then it kind of spreads throughout the country from here. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it is, it's it's, not, it's complicated, you know, and that, yeah. was, that was hard for me to sort of, you know, relay and research um, and then to digest and to understand and to sort of see about this region.
2: Right. Well, you do a great job of exploring that in this book. But um, actually, take us back to the beginning. Who invented Grit's? <laughs> uh,
3: well, it's actually, it,
2: if you think back to,
3: you know, maize, well, maize was first cultivated in central Mexico, and um, they first find indications of it maybe nine or 10,000 years ago. And so maize was, you know, the idea was that it was crafted from the Teosante plant, and, and agriculturalists, who were mainly women, um, sort of created maize from Based on seed saving and um, and, and their work with, with plants and agriculture, so corn shows up maybe nine or ten thousand years ago. Um, the the in, the research I found was that they're in that same region. They were they discovered hand tools mm-hmm. like um, mortar and pestle, almost that were grinding milling okay. devices um, with residue of maize. So so go back eight thousand years, and you know that the corn that's being grown is being ground by hand. Um, that corn is likely being added, you know, con- combined with water, cooked over heat, and, you know, that becomes a food source. So for okay. me, <laughs> in my region, uh-huh. I see grits going all the way back to, you know, indigenous cultures that, um, that originally created maize. And Got so it. it comes, you know, it obviously immediately starts getting transferred and, and brought to other places and um, probably arrives in the southeastern United States around 2,000 years ago when, when corn kind of starts showing up in this part of America. So so the dish itself, while everyone sort of pins it on the south,
2: uh-huh. um,
3: really has roots. You know, that go back, we, I think, go back way, way further.
2: So. And they go back more south than yeah. the American <laughs> south, <laughs> or south. Central yeah. Mexico. <laughs> Central to Mexico. To be uh, clear. Um, so, and Mexico, you mm-hmm. know, there's
3: still such a strong uh, connection and cultural connection with, yeah. with corn there.
2: So a lot of people think about grits as this uniquely American product, but it was being eaten by Native Americans throughout uh, the Americas. Mm-hmm. Instead, fascinating. Um, and you you write about how um, Chef Sher- um, Sean Sherman, um, mm-hmm. the sous chef, had was trying to figure out and trying to, um, you know, trying to to reclaim this dish basically and figure out some of the heritage. Grains or corn crops the, to, that that his ancestors may have used.
3: Yes, and so his his explorations were really the very first time I encountered uh, an indigenous um, variation of what grits could be, and so the and it, 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 for him, I think the research is it's not necessarily around grits it's around that that corn, corn. porridge mm-hmm. um dish and and you know the application now can be grits but um but yeah there is a, a there was a blue cherokee corn that we that he had prepared as a grits dish and and because he doesn't use any european introduced ingredients so you know even Sugar or or dairy or anything, you know, the dish was very simple but so creamy and rich hmm. um, in the application wow he used. So yeah, and it, 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 it was it was remarkable. And um, I look forward to seeing how he continues to explore those foodways.
2: Wow, and and yet yeah. the typical <laughs> grits preparation in the American South is pretty simple, but there's usually a lot of butter involved, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
3: You wouldn't yeah, skip it. It's a blank canvas. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, I. Yeah, I mean here it's, it's butter and cheese and salt and pepper. Um, sometimes Tabasco. Um, it, it, you know, it, the dish the dish doesn't have to be much more than that. You know, for breakfast especially, put that next to some eggs and toast, and you know, and maybe some um, sausage or bacon, and
2: it's good. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was something um, interesting to like this strong. Um, Just assertion that grits should really be left alone for the most part in the south.
3: (laughs) There, yes, there is. Um, Mm -hmm. Although I think now people are taking it in new directions as as they explore dishes that can include grits.
2: Cool. Well, let's talk about a lot of those um, new ways after a quick little commercial break. We'll be right back.
0: Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best-tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Cotbalt Cave Age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Moine, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com.
1: Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Coral Lee, and I'm the host of Meant to Be Eaten here on HRN. Every week, I look at cross-cultural exchange in food and contemporary media. What determines authenticity? What, if anything, gets lost in translation when cooking foods from another's culture? You can find Meant to Be Eaten wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. All right, we're back chatting with
2: Erin Byers-Murray about her latest book, Grits, and... uh just to um, bring you, bring you guys, give you guys a slice of some of the topics that are dis, um, you know, discussed here in this book, because we can't get to all of them as much as I would love to. Um, I love that you have this chapter really dedicated to women's role in grits throughout, mm-hmm. from basically the, the origins of corn itself, you write. Women mm-hmm. have, have been played a strong role in this. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I so many people
3: I talk to, you know, it goes back to a woman cooking grits. Um, and when I started to kind of explore that even further, you know, looking back at who was sort of literally carrying grits, uh, you know, we were talking about Native American and indigenous cultures, and so many of those people were um, were women who were, were who were actually doing the growing Grining. and then mm-hmm. doing the cooking <clears throat> as well. So the you know, from the very early origins, I would say that women had a primary role in bringing it to the forefront. Um, and then, you know, in the kitchens, uh, you know, when you get to the American South, most of those cooks were also women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I, you know, women like Natalie Dupree, who has been an icon of of Southern. Uh, Southern, the Southern culinary canon, really. You know, she wrote *Mastering the Art of Southern Cooking* and several other books. That you know, she was touting grits long, long before
2: mm-hmm. um,
3: a lot of male chefs yeah. were, uh-huh. <laughs> were cooking grits in their kitchens. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I wanted to explore that and really give, uh, you know, tribute to the to the people mm-hmm. who brought it forward because I think the nowadays. You know, so many people who are talking about grits or milling grits or cooking grits and touting them are um, many of them are men, and yeah. um, and and so wanted to sort of go back and, and explore the people and the you know the, the women who right. were, who were had a hand in this. I
2: so. think it's interesting that women had such um, uh, an important part in of food that was just really the food of sustenance. It was mm-hmm. it was feeding, it was providing and nourishing. And, you know, it might not be a Escoffier technique uh, and, you know, other, mm-hmm. you know. But, I
3: mean, grits are the ultimate slow food. You stand mm-hmm. and you stir.
2: You know,
3: it's the woman who can stand by the pot and keep scraping the bottom and, <laughs> you know, um, and feed her her family. I mean, that really is the, the, right. the bottom line of what grits are. So.
2: And I love how the word itself, grit, it seems very loaded with meaning of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hardworking uh Working class. Uh, <laughs> somebody who has true grit, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a group
3: in the South called Girls Raised in the South, and it's, you know, grits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, one of the things in the book that I try to explore, I I, I couldn't find very many female Millers, you know, female
1: Women no who owners. are actually okay. milling
3: corn nowadays, and, and I did manage to find a couple, but um, two of them are actually in Oxford, Mississippi, and I loved sort of going through that, that storyline about um, who they were and the, the equipment they use. I mean, these women talk about grit. You know, they're doing a pretty physical job every mm. single day, and, and also... Standing alone as women um, in an industry that's dominated by men, so you yeah, because they're selling to restaurants, they're selling to, um, and I, one of them, um, Julia Tatum, who she she just she she's young. She decided to take over this business on her own. Cool. I mean, and she was joking about how you you know the FedEx guy would come and or UPS guy would come and pick up boxes, and he'd be like. Who, who you got helping you with this? And she's like, "Do you see anyone else here?" <laughs> so, um, so it, it, those are just, you know, it, it, the story continues with with women in the in the world of grits.
2: That's really fascinating. Um, yeah, thanks so much for including so many of these modern day stories. And I guess that brings us to we didn't really go over how grits have evolved from the stone ground product that was. Made in mills that are now coming back, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was this very industrial product for a long time in between, and it still is. Yeah,
3: that, and that was part of the book that I didn't anticipate exploring, mm. but realized that my research into grits would also take me into the research of milling and and the history of milling right. in the United States. And so you know, you go from these pretty rudimentary uh, milling devices, hand tools. Um, at stone mills that are run power water or, uh, water powered, and then you move quickly into the transition into um, mechanization and um, into industrialization. you know they sort of the small water powered mill, was quickly erased from the American landscape okay. when industrial cereal production began. Um, those mills were either bought up or closed or you know shut down. And so, I mean that 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 was probably for seventy-five to hundred years. We were you know producing grits like like any cereal, kind of on this massive scale. With you know, and it went into steel roll mills and um, and and production of corn that was very different, you know, because corn became commodified and and GMO varieties started being used. So what happened, I think it was probably you started to see in the in the 80s and 90s this um some of those mills held out, you know, yeah. some of those family-run mills still exist, not not many. Um but then you start to see these you know these other small mills start to come back online. Mm, um, so whether it's couples that yeah. have like gone to re, you know, refurbish an old water power mill, or um, that are starting their own mills with you know small, you know, um, you know electrical mills that that are stone stone ground mm-hmm. um, machines, you know, so so you start to see them come back around. I think in the last two decades. Um, there's been a resurgence. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So what is the difference in the product? Um, sounds like, uh, the industrial processes really stripped a lot of the flavor and nutrients, but how does that affect? Yeah. It
3: does. And you know, I want to, I just, you know, across the board say, you know, try to avoid instant grits. Really? (laughs) Um, but there's a place for them for sure. Um, they feed a, a lot of people, but, and they feed people quickly. Um, quick grits, and old-fashioned grits that they're sometimes labeled you know they those are less nutritionally enhanced they're they're more closer to a, a straight corn product oh, okay. um but in you know instant grits there's a there's a whole set they're of like ingredients that are yeah. added to that to them oh. so that they will you know puff up and, and turn into grits really quickly with water but um you know and and the, not to say that Boxed grits by big cereal producers aren't, you know, they're not bad. They're, <laughs> like I said, they're they're cheaply produced and they're cheap to purchase, which makes them a good, still a good nutrient source. Mm-hmm. But when you compare them to stone ground varieties from small millers, um, you get, especially when it's an heirloom variety of corn, you know, you start to really see these nuances of flavor and texture. And um, stone ground grits take longer to cook, uh mm. and they you know they it, it, there's just a lot of nuance, i guess to those to the way that the the dish shows up so so you can add less to uh-huh. <laughs> some of those other you know those small batch varieties of grits, um but the flavor is still like really it's 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 remarkable
2: and I love know, that um difference. yeah, you can find those heirloom varieties that m- might be blue or red and mm-hmm. white or corn, or yellow, because actually the instant ones are bleached white, right? Mm,
3: yeah, and they, yes. <laughs> yes, and there's also, you know, in the South, there are certain communities that, you know, it, the debate over white versus yellow corn um, still kind of rages on. What? <laughs> Tell me <about laughs> uh, that. <laughs> you know, in some places, yellow corn was bee corn, and so you only eat, uh-huh you only you only humans only ate the white corn um and other places oh, you only eat yellow corn you know it, so it's <laughs> and it's it's not it's not even community to community it's like household, to household oh my gosh um but but yes those industrial grits are are usually white um and colorless and
2: uh wow. you know these <laughs> people get feisty about grits um they do <laughs> like as they should you have a whole chapter about the how grits have been used as a political tool throughout the ages. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it sounds like the most recent one, uh, maybe, or one of the most recent ones was when um, the, the the FDA, um, was it the FDA or the USDA? Um, uh, yeah.
3: USDA. USDA
2: yeah. decided to put new guidelines on school foods that had to do with, you know, whole wheat instead of, mm. um, you know, Ultra processed, and that left out grits, and a lot of parents got upset. <laughs>
3: well, it, it didn't leave them out. They okay. wanted 100% whole grain grits, and so the complaint from the kids was that there were little um, that there were little speckles in their grits. Oh no! <laughs> and so they wouldn't eat them. You know, they were used to the you know they were used to a, a more um, like a quick cooking grit product, mm. and so. The argument was, oh, you know, grits are no longer allowed in schools. Well, you know, technically. right-wing
2: <laughs> trolls attacking President Obama.
3: Right, <laughs> right, um, and all he was trying to do was say, actually, let's take let's take a whole grain grit, yeah. which is more more nutritionally valuable. And put that in lunches, but they didn't focus on that. They <laughs> they took it the other direction. So, so
2: what is going on now? Or did they just revert back? saying, you know, everything is all good to eat now.
3: <laughs> I yeah yeah, I, yeah.
2: Well. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna let
3: that go <laughs> for now. Um, but yeah, unfortunately.
2: But it sounds like you're a big proponent of the whole grain grits, uh, the stone ground grits that is from smaller mills for its variousness and flavor. Yes. For me
3: and what I make at home,
2: um, that's what I'm cooking usually.
3: Um, Just because I like to to explore those flavor profiles, too. You know, really, Mm -hmm. you know, if you – not that I frequently make two different kinds of grits side by side. But, you know, if I'm making a Mm. shrimp and grits dish, I might do one time with blue grits. I might do one time with um, a Cherokee white corn. You know, I might – you know, just to see what the difference is and to see how they – how the flavors play off each other. Because they really – the nuances really are there.
2: Wow. What's your favorite way to make grits lately? Oh, uh, well, I one of
3: I, this is so simple, but it's like it's almost like a polenta dish the way you make it. But you add, I like to add like a Gruyere cheese oh. <laughs> to my grits and, and kind of Why add not? something really tangy to the grits itself, and then saute some mushrooms, maybe some shallots, a little vermouth, um, some thyme. And just top the grits with the mushroom mixture. And it's just like simple, comforting, perfect dinner in the winter dish.
2: For mousse in the splashed in the mushroom sauces.
3: Mm. Mm. And then the tangy cheese in the grits. It's a really, yeah, that's a crowd pleaser.
2: (laughs) Okay. I, I have one oddball question Has anyone done a dessert grits? Like, why doesn't that exist?
3: Well, there are, um, they yes, I've, I've okay. seen grits in, in some sweet applications. Um, usually in, it, it's like a variation of cornmeal. You know, you would just need to, um, however you're using the meal, uh, you could, you know, if you were going to make like a cake with cornmeal, you could use grits instead. It would just be, you'd have to be careful and use the right amount of liquid so that you're not getting like, You know, big kernels of crunchy, Mm -hmm. you know, crunchy. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, But yeah, we—I've seen uh, grits and show up in breads Uh. and um, a lot of uh, you know other baked goods. So
2: it's. There's there's a lot of playing around. Yeah, that people are doing. I'm thinking so. faux dairy. You know, I don't know. <laughs>
3: yeah. <You never> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something to try. Well, it's also gluten free, so mm-hmm. you know
2: they, that adds another true a texture. So. Gluten free, dairy free, unless you add the butter. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. really a testament to um, as as your book shows, grits is really constantly evolving as we speak. So um, yeah. yeah, it looks like that's about all the time we have today, though, to get into this book but I hope everyone checks it out because there's so many more stories that you've uncovered and they're all so fascinating. So thank you so much, Erin. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. And uh, happy St. Patty's Day, everyone. And we'll see you next week on Eat Your Words.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place